0: Ladies and gentlemen,
1: it is now time! Oh
0: no. Oh yeah! I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah!
2: Top rope nation. Learn to love it! It's the best thing going today. Hey, hey, it's Justin Join. You're listening to... Top Rope Nation with Kyle Ross. Kyle, what's going on, man? How are you? Is that is that how Ryan does the intro? I, I forgot. I forgot how he does it.
1: That was less Ryan Drosti, more Conrad Thompson. I oh, think. Is that what that you were going right, for? Okay, that, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, I'll try not to lie the entire podcast. How about that? And do my job. I'll try <laughs> to be a little more truthful on this side. I am doing great, Justin. I am really looking forward to this show. Uh, you know Ace Freely and Peter Chris here, uh, man in the <laughs> shop. While, uh Ryan Drosty is celebrating fatherhood, now a father of three. God bless the man. Uh, oh, okay. We are here to hold the fort down. I, he, that's out there publicly.
2: Oh, I, I, I thought we were going to tell the truth, and that when he missed last week, we did some investigating and found out that uh, his contract actually expired. We thought he was signed for another couple of <laughs> years.
1: Outstanding. Maybe <laughs> made me feel bad there for a second. What I did, I was like, he did text us and say, please feel free to say that, right? I was like, oh, boy, here we go. Restart the fucking show. We're in hell already. <laughs> that was good. Yes. Uh, so we should probably talk to the listeners what we're going to uh, talk about here in the next hour or so. A lot of news. Uh, this just in the news cycle has been out of control over the last week or so. Justin, as you know, uh, we've been talking about classic wrestling, I feel, over mm-hmm. July, right? We did the Invasion pay-per-view uh, recap. Uh, I was there, live in the building that night. That is available only to Patreon subscribers. We talked about the 10-year anniversary of Cena Punk uh, as well. Uh, you and I did our first show together uh, last Wednesday. Uh, that, again, only for patrons uh, that... Was just our normal recap, a uh, recap, recap of Dynamite. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be fun to go over the news this week because there are a lot of items, and we're working a fast pace. We're doing a spot fest here tonight.
2: Oh yeah, thank thankfully the news came through for us because God knows where we would have taken this without that. Kyle Ross.
1: Yeah, it would just been me ranting about some. <laughs> random poor booking from 1993 (laughs) or 2006 just choose your year
2: wait just want to say uh everybody welcome to top rope nation we are part of the blue wire podcast network if you're listening on apple Podcasts, please be so kind as to subscribe and tap that five star rating tap it tap it tap it if you're listening on spotify please follow the show each follow helps out And if you'd like to support the show in the best way possible and gain exclusive bonus content, like our monthly bonus podcast, top rope nation classics, which Kyle just mentioned subscribe on our Patreon.
1: Yeah. And now obviously you get top rope nation extra where we cover dynamite on a weekly Mm -hmm. basis. Uh, Looking forward to doing that with you again uh, this week. So yeah, three shows in a row, just you and I, uh, but um, you know, look, man, we're going to do this. I have full confidence. This is going to be a great show. We are going to step up. Uh, there is no crush on this team. Of three, <laughs> I guarantee you. It's more like wait. the new. It's more like the new day or the shield, right? Like any two of the three can get it done. So we're going to make Ryan proud. We're going to make you guys proud. Listening, we've got a hell of a show. A lot of news. You said wait. Shall I wait before we get into this news, or well, is there I, something you'd like to got- say?
2: I just got one question is just, uh, how you feeling coming in tonight? You a little nervous? Two weeks in a row, maybe being a little nervous for the good guys to win?
1: (laughs) I am. I'm just as nervous tonight (laughs) as I was for Hangman of the Dark Order. And they lost. So God help us all here over the next (laughs) 60 plus minutes. Yeah, I'm a little nervous. The butterflies in the stomach, but that'll make for a better show. And uh, I'm ready to roll. How about you? Let's do it. Okay. So this news cycle, Justin Joint, uh, my God, it never stopped. Even over the weekend, it didn't stop. I thought all world leaders had made a pact that, uh, you know, no, nothing notable could happen on Saturday and Sunday, but that uh, wasn't the case this week with the release of Bray Wyatt, which is one of many subjects we're going to get to uh, here on this show. But uh, as far as the news cycle goes, how it was never ending over the last six days or so, Justin As a wrestling fan, was your excitement level higher than it's been in years just due to this volume of news?
2: Yeah, I, I, and it's all about the possibilities that are happening. Mm -hmm. You know, we have the possibility of CM Punk and Daniel Bryan coming in. Um, I think a lot of people trying to start some gossip about Brock Lesnar. I I don't really buy that one. Um, And then we have the news we're going to get into tonight with uh, a lot of releases and maybe some potential guys jumping or guy in general jumping ship, uh, which I think we kind of hope to see.
1: Yeah. So let's go to him first. This Adam Cole story. What a story this was. I think this broke Sunday night. I remember because I woke up Monday morning and Ryan um, had texted us a bunch about it. But uh, it was obviously the talk of Twitter all day on Monday. Certainly most of you have heard about it by now. But just to recap, uh, Fightful.com, shout out to Sean Ross Sapp, reported that Adam Cole's contract expired in July, which caught WWE by surprise. Now, rather than pull a Lex Luger and show up on Dynamite, which would have been fucking tremendous had he done that for the record, uh, Cole was pretty nice about it. He agreed to work on a short-term deal through SummerSlam weekend, which includes the next TakeOver. As you know, TakeOver, I believe, is the night after SummerSlam, Correct. And they're not really running yes. a full bill. They're running the Capital Wrestling Center, which is very odd. But uh I'm gonna pause here, Justin, and ask you how shocking is this that they were unaware that when Adam Cole's contract was gonna run out? Um, it'd
2: be extremely shocking if it wasn't for the fact uh of the whole Alistair Black uh, Malachi black contract situation where they did not upgrade his contract when he moved to the main roster. And so his, uh, 90 day clause was actually a 60 or 30, 30 30. 30
1: day non-compete. Yes. That is why he was able to jump to AEW so soon. Um, he did not have the standard 90 day non-compete that most main roster guys do because somebody was falling asleep and he still had a 30 day. So, uh,
2: Yeah, so considering that they can let like, something like that slip by, this did not surprise me at all.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, how does this happen? You talked about the you know Malachi, don't call me Alistair Black situation. PW Insider reported that the timing of the company learning of Cole's contract situation, uh, which by the way, WWE believed didn't expire until January of 2022. I thought his contract didn't expire until 2024. Didn't somebody say that last year? I, I had no idea. No okay, because he came into the promotion in August, right? He debuted at a SummerSlam Takeover in yes. 2017, so it would make sense that would end in August. And I feel like at this time last year, people were thinking his deal might be up, and that it, I thought somebody reported he was under contract till 2024, but uh, no, apparently he was only under contract till August of t- or July of 2021. Um, now, PW Insider, getting back to this. The timing of the company learning about Cole's contract situation, according to them, quote, very much lines up with the company letting go of senior director of talent development, Canyon Seaman. Uh, what's interesting. Yes. And this is going to be so fun to say Seaman over and over again, isn't it? What a last name. Guarantee if he was on TV, Vince, well, no, Vince would embrace that. Seaman. Um, uh, what's interesting about the Seaman deal, Justin, if you remember this, this kind of, was an under the radar story. Uh, it was first reported at the end of June by Meltzer, among some others, uh, that Seaman had been let go from his role. But there was like a WWE denial, even though there were people within WWE who, who thought he was gone. But the reports got ended getting retracted. But on July 23rd, it was reported that semen was officially gone.
2: I heard. I heard he was. I heard he was squeezed out.
1: (laughs) Sorry, that's great. No, there's so many places you could take that one, and like, yeah, I don't know. You gotta. It was better than all of them that I was gonna come up with, (laughs) but. anyway all right so the, the the semen is out okay he's gone <laughs> the semen is gone uh bottom line is who knows the exact date wwe found out about the cold contract but uh this uh you know kind of falls in the canyon semen department i guess and as you mentioned justin a few moments ago we do know that this front office miscue comes on the heels of the you know uh Alistair Black situation that we already went through. Uh, For WWE's sake, I hope this short-term agreement that they have with Cole is legally binding at this point. You would assume it is. Otherwise, I would love to see Adam Cole stab them in the front, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how great would it be if he showed up? Like, if it was just like, well, I guess, you know, I I did a semester in law school, and I I think if you write things on napkins, it can be held up as a contract. But uh, (laughs) I quit right after that lesson for the record. But, um, you know, if it's just a handshake deal, how great would it be if he was on you know Dynamite tomorrow after this gets out? But that's probably not going to be the case. Uh, One would assume uh, he's going to work Kyle O'Reilly at the next takeover. Maybe put him over. Uh, You know, the result, if they do that match at the next takeover, the result of it's probably going to say a lot about his future, no?
2: Absolutely. I mean, mostly, I would say if he wins. Because, you know, maybe if he is going to resign, they could still have him lose and tell a story, blah, blah, blah. But I think if he wins, that would be very surprising.
1: Yes. Yes, it would. Um, let's get to the $6 million question now, shall we? What should Adam Cole do after SummerSlam weekend? Now, you can answer this either as Justin Joint Wrestling fan or you can put Adam Cole's shoes on and look at it from his perspective. You can do both what what well, would you do
2: luckily my answer for both of them is the same okay. he's got to he's got to go there there he's i don't know what else he can do in NXT and there is no way that he can get into a main roster ring with the other guys and Vince McMahon is not going to see him as a main player he he's going to end up uh like basically every other NXT call up if not worse. I mean, he's got, he's got charisma up the wazoo. You know, he's a great in ring worker, but he's going to end up on two Oh five live.
1: Two Oh five live is a sad, sad endpoint for anybody right now. Uh, God bless the folks still working there, but yeah, he's not a Vince guy. I think, you know, that that's a big part of the reason why he's been there for four years. Right. He kind of falls into the Johnny Gargano, mm-hmm. uh, realm, right? Where it's, you know, Vince just isn't going to push him. Um, It should be mentioned before. And I agree with you for the record. I'm I'm going to, I'm going to list out a lot of reasons why I think Adam Cole should bolt. But I think the argument for him staying is he is on the record. He really likes Triple H. Yeah. He really likes Shawn Michaels. He's working like they're like his idols. It's not like he just like likes them as coworkers. I think like they're like his favorite wrestlers and stuff too, particularly Shawn. So he likes her. He can be a big fish in a small pond. I mean, he could, you know, conceivably have an entire brand built around him if he chose to stay. And, you know, if that's what he wants, uh, you know, it's up to him. It's his life. But let's go through the reasons why I think he should leave. First off, and this is going to be a running theme on the show, the (laughs) WWE sticks. Okay. The WWE is not good. Um, And if I were him, I would leave because of that. Now, to be more specific and not speak in generalities, um, you mentioned not a Vince McMahon guy from the look, physique perspective. So, yeah, on Raw, I just cannot see him being pushed. I mean, my God, do you think Vince McMahon is going to have Adam Cole beat Bobby Lashley? No. No, okay. Um, I didn't either. Okay, you talked about NXT. What is there left for him to do? The Undisputed Era is broken up. Shout out to our big fan, Kyle Ryan. I know he was very... uh, upset about that and man the way they've done that is just kind of like it's just an O'Reilly Cole thing right I mean Mm -hmm. uh, Roddy Strong is off doing his own thing Bobby Fish is doing whatever so I I haven't really liked how that storyline has played out to be honest with you Uh, and I think they've missed the window potentially on making Adam Cole the top baby face on the NXT brand which is what he should be I view Adam Cole right now the same way I viewed Johnny Gargano three years ago. Here's a guy who's going to be with you for a while. He can rally your base in NXT. Hey, I don't want to go anywhere else. I am NXT. You know, I'm the guy that you should all rally behind. You, meaning the fans. They could still do that, and who knows? Maybe he, if that's what he wants to do, that's the direction they can go if he resigns. I'm a little... uh, Uh, wishy-washy that they might do that. Because to me, the Undisputed Era breaking up was the perfect time to make him a baby face. I I think they got the dynamic wrong with him and O'Reilly. We've talked about that before.
2: Well, And with everything they flubbed is, can they even do it right or do it well? Yeah, I mean, interesting for that.
1: I I mean, NXT is not a well-booked brand. It has run into the same issues over the last two to three years that Raw and SmackDown do. Let's not sugarcoat that.
2: And for years, I mean, we were at the top of the mountain praising it Nonstop, but it is definitely fallen off that mountaintop.
1: And we were the first to turn on it too, which I'm very proud yep. of too. In 2018, we said this NXT is not as good anymore. And I'm very proud of that. I often pat myself on the back just randomly <laughs> every day, just thinking about how Top Rope Nation was ahead of the curve on NXT. Okay. Uh, other things to consider with Adam Cole and WWE. Do you remember his reaction to his buddy Tyler Breeze, who by the way was in the news for a stupid quote this week? Uh, but oh, Tyler cool. Breeze was let, let go. And, like, Adam Cole, did you see video of this? He learned about oh. it when he was doing his Twitch thing, and he was like, I mean, you could see the heartbreak in his face. I did not see that. I, I mean, this was obviously when Breeze so was a while ago, but, you know, I mean, with all these releases, that's something to keep in mind with everybody. You know, when the company you work for does your buddy dirty or wrong, you're going to kind of hold a grudge against them. I've worked mm-hmm. places where... You know, friends of I've worked with friends, and friends have been like, "Oh, and it like sours you on mm-hmm. working there because it's your friends." So that's something to think about. A uh, Twitch in general, you know, he's a he wants to do that. You know, I don't really follow that stuff. and You know, what Twitch is all. I don't mean to sound like an eighty-year-old man, but I know his Twitch is important to him and whatnot. And WWE, um, you know, is not so you know high on third-party stuff, and then. Sixth, there is this John Pollock quote from a few weeks ago. John Pollock, uh, very sharp guy from post-wrestling, on creative freedom now being an allure to leave WWE. Now in NXT, you do have a little more creative freedom, right? Than you would on the main roster, if you're especially if you're Adam Cole. But, you know, if he's bored by any stretch of the imagination, and NXT is just not creatively fulfilling. That's another reason to leave, right? Yep. Okay. And then here's the most important one. And sadly, I deleted this from the notes while I was playing around Mm -hmm. with them. So let's, (laughs) uh, you know, uh, so let's see if I can remember it. Okay. Let's say, Adam Cole, we should also mention it, the obvious one. I'm sure there's people at home listening to this podcast screaming right now. Britt Baker, Britt Baker, his girlfriend is an AEW. Yes, obviously that. I mean, they can still see each other. It's not like they're working some Mm -hmm. insane house show loop where they're prevented from ever seeing each other. Um, But yeah, if that's important to him to work with his girlfriend, then obviously that's going to tug him uh, to the, to AEW. But this is really critical to think about. Let's say Adam Cole takes the situation, which he could do and leverages a really good deal with WWE. He, he stays and he gets a substantial pay increase. Okay. Could happen. Mm -hmm. If he does that, that's no guarantee for success or being around long term. What about the next time Nick Khan starts going through his spreadsheets and says, who the hell is this guy on the developmental brand making all this money? Eh, You're out of here. So like there's no fight. That's like, yeah, he could have financial security right away, but there's no guarantee that that's going to last with nasty Nick. You know, cutting people left and right.
2: Yeah, these these are football contracts. These aren't baseball or basketball. These are that football is a, where they, they release you. Your money's gone.
1: Yeah, exactly. I thought of that, too. This is very much like an NFL situation with, yeah, guaranteed contract. My ass. Um, AEW, if you can get Adam Cole, it's a no-brainer. It would be a crushing blow to NXT. I mean, Adam Cole leaving NXT would probably hurt NXT more than anything has hurt them. Ever. I think it would hurt him more than like how they've done cross on the main roster, to be honest with you.
2: Why do you think? Just because he's kind of been the face of the brand. Yeah. I
1: you? mean, like, he's like what like it goes back to what I said about him being a babyface. The mm-hmm. people love Adam Cole. Like, and who are you rallying around if you don't have Adam Cole anymore? I mean, it's I mean, it's a dire situation over there. You got a takeover main event where you've got a guy who's one and two on the main roster as your champion defending against a guy who was an announcer all of last year. That's your main event on NXT takeover, this alleged developmental brand. Not a not guy to who mention,
2: is- you you just lost your longtime champ to the main roster, Finn Balor. Who just apparently got screwed out of a world title match by a babyface John Cena. Yes, with- and
1: and was threatened to be thrown back down, da- sent back down to NXT mm. and the pot shots. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yes, and we're gonna talk about, you know, tribalism later in the show. I've got a just what a great topic that's gonna be when we get to it later, Justin. You know, and look, I'm rooting for AEW. Right now, I'll tell you why later on in the show. So I'd love to see him get Adam Cole. I think he would fit in great. Obviously, he's got a relationship uh, with the top guys there, too. So, you know, in addition to his girlfriend. So we shall see. We will learn more on SummerSlam weekend. There's no point on speculating more now. Uh, Ric Flair is also gone from the WWE, Justin. Uh, At first, it was reported that he asked for and was given his release. And what was strange about that is just last year, Flair had said he'd re-signed with the company and tweeted that he would be with WWE forever and said at that time he would not have signed elsewhere if WWE hadn't renewed him. That was uh, from F4Wonline.com. They reminded me of that, so I pulled that from an old news update. But it turns out that Flair was not necessarily um, the one who um, pushed for this release Meltzer on wrestling observer radio on Tuesday said that Rick did not ask for his release, but rather this was a WWE decision, which makes more sense. Given what I just said, Uh, Rick was reportedly unhappy with the Lacey Evans storyline. Weren't we all Uh, the (laughs) way, the way Charlotte has been booked and he complained to Charlotte or uh, he complained to Vince about Charlotte's booking. Now, The latest in this saga, Brian Alvarez on Wrestling Observer Live Tuesday said that it was kind of a fire me or quit situation. This was a new wrinkle. He said that Rick contacted Vince directly, complained about Charlotte's booking. By the way, (laughs) how do those other raw dads feel? do you think besides Rick (laughs) Flair? How how does Mr. Mansour feel? I mean, wouldn't he like to call up Vince and complain about the way they're booking his son? (laughs) I mean, mean, of all the dads, I know that he works there, okay, people, but still of all the dads to be complaining about their (laughs) child's booking on Raw, Ric Flair? I mean, Charlotte's (laughs) one of the most strongly booked characters on that program. Anyway, I digress. Uh, Bright Alvarez said that Flair, and basically was like, fix this. Or if you don't, I'm gone. And Vince was like, all right, you're gone. So I, the bottom line is, Ric Flair's gone from WWE. He had not been around since the ill-fated Lacey Evans storyline uh, that I mentioned. Um, is there any room for Ric Flair and AEW, Justin Joy?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think there is. There, there's some stories to tell there. It might be a little awkward, just like maybe with CM Punk coming in with Colt Cabana, because I don't believe he has a great relationship or relationship at all with some of
1: his former running mates. Yes. That, and that, that, that's very key to, to point out. Um, did we talk about this on the show a few weeks ago? I mean, it was it was out there it was a, a news story that Rick gave an interview where he's basically said he was estranged from Aaron and Tully and,
2: and the rest that, of the okay. would Aaron didn't even contact him when his son died.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I saw a lot of gifts as I'm sure you did on Twitter, you know, the second Rick was released or, you know, let go, whatever, people are like showing all the horse with I'm like, did you forget about that story already? I mean, have they made up and I missed that? But, uh, you know, so that's something to consider. My guess is, look, I mean, if you've been friends for a long time, you've got situations, you could potentially work that out. But who knows? That's between them. It's not... Anything there's there's to money to be made
2: even if you pit him against them. You know, obviously they're doing a little bit of a knockoff for Horsemen with their, uh, the Pinnacle, and mm-hmm. then also you have his daughter's boyfriend in there in Andrade. Maybe you could tell a story where uh, him and Andrade adopt a child to make Charlotte
1: on the other show jealous or something. I don't know. There's, <laughs> there's got to be something. Yeah. So uh, look, I-, I think you don't need to overthink this one. If you want Ric Flair, okay, and Ric Flair is still cool, okay. Mm -hmm. My friends who do not watch wrestling anymore, maybe even never did. A lot of times, like if they'll send me like a gift, like in a direct, you know, like we're like DMing or something, they'll always include, not always, but you know, occasionally we'll include like a Ric Flair, woo, or something like that. If I'm like, all right, man, seat the bar, and they'll send that to because they know I like wrestling. It's fine. People know Ric Flair. Obviously, mm-hmm. this just did, you know, he's probably the greatest professional wrestler of all time. And people understand that. So he's cool. He brings a cash to your brain. He's one of Tony Khan's favorite wrestlers. Uh, I know Tony named his Mount Rushmore in an interview a while ago. I, I, Bret Hart was on it. Chris Jericho was on it. I can't remember the fourth. Christian Cage? <laughs> I don't think it was Christian Cage. Hold on. Let, let's just look this up here. Who was the fourth? Because otherwise it'll bother me. Tony Khan favorite wrestlers. You said uh, Rick Flair, Bret Hart, Chris uh, Jericho, uh, do 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 Rick Flair, Bret Hart, oh, Steve Austin. Uh, Fine okay. choice, that makes sense. Fine choices, Tony. Um, so yeah, I mean, I to me, you would want Rick on screen putting over the brand, so you can put that in commercials and video packages, right? Cause like some older fans might see it, like, "Oh, Rick Flair's doing this," and Rick Flair just said, "This is the brand." I don't know. Maybe you get somebody. Uh, also, I mean, I, what about you know schmoozing potential sponsors in the luxury box? Rick getting them drunk, <laughs> getting them to come on board, making them <laughs> feel something. That, you know, like the just having him be an ambassador, a brand ambassador to steal a WWE line. I, I think he could be okay in that role. And yeah, like you said, there's some storylines. That they could do playing off, you know, Rick's history with some people, the promotion and, you know, it's a promotion filled with factions. Obviously, you could do something there. Uh, Andrade. Yep. Um, so there's room for Ric Flair. Um, and being that he's Tony Cossier at Rustler, you would uh, imagine, um, you know, maybe it's just a question of money. I mean, I don't think you want to pay a lot to get the guy. No. You know, I saw Alvarez was joking. <laughs> on Wrestling Observer Live, that if it was up to Rick, he'd still be like a heel world champion, okay? I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> hold your horses, Rick. It's not, you know, nineteen eighty six anymore. Uh, speaking of which, WWE would have the rights to the Four Horsemen name, correct? Ooh, so, like, so, yeah. okay, so AEW couldn't say that, so I'm waiting for Jim Ross to be awkward. It's the Four! Guys! That's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I just can afford, yeah, so that will that, be a hoot to pay attention to. So, yeah, Adam Cole sh- maybe gone, Rick Flair is gone, and somebody else that is gone, Justin Joint is Bray Wyatt. And this happened over the weekend and caught a lot of people by surprise. now Do you me belie- included
2: this one shocked me, okay. unlike, you know, the Adam Cole and Rick Flair stuff. This one really surprised me. And there and there's a lot of factors uh as to why that is.
1: Okay. Do you believe he was a budget cut? <laughs> No. Which was the reason given? Okay, um, WWE is showing massive profits. Obviously, they just did their, you know, their quarter two press conference. They made a lot. They beat expectations, so they're doing well. I mean, the idea that they can't afford Bray Wyatt seems pretty silly. Now, we do need to keep in mind something. WWE is basically a content company at this point, and they need to always show profits. You want to put your businessman hat on for a minute, just enjoy it. You can take it off then right after this question. <laughs> but what's the easiest way to keep costs down if you're a business? Get rid of the employees. If yep, you can. labor. So whatever. I I mean, a budget, of course, they can afford them. But so what WWE is now. You got to remember, they're they're just trying to show profits. And I think we're... You know, for years we didn't see layoffs, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why this is so shocking. Maybe why it's a little different. We can get into that in a little bit, but um, I think you know, oh, oh my God, they're letting people go. That they didn't do that for so long. but that's why this is shocking. I feel we have this conversation every time we talk about names getting released. But I think there's going to be more to come. I mean, I think it's going to be a regular thing. Maybe every quarter, people really? get let go. Yeah, I I really do, and uh. Well, how about this Vince McMahon quote from that, uh, that conference, you know, the, the phone call when he was asked about AEW, this was unbelievable. I, I I'll let
2: you tell the quote in, a, quote in a second. I've been trying to figure out why he said this all day and, and
1: I cannot come up with a reason. Okay. Go ahead. This, this came out of Vince McMahon's lips. I'm not sure where their investments are. This is referring to AEW. Yes. When it comes to their talent, perhaps we could give them some more? So basically he's saying, yeah, none of all our talent's expendable. Maybe I'll release some more guys just, you know, to dare AEW to sign them. And for the record, he said this before they released Bray Wyatt. How would you feel if you were a WWE talent? You heard that quote from Vincent Kennedy McMahon.
2: It makes you want to jump. If you're Adam Cole, you hear that, that. Like you already said, why would you want to resign? It's unbelievable. I mean, the the balls on him to say that out loud is just, it is shocking to me.
1: Yeah. Um. Something that's really interesting when I see what WWE is doing right now, letting people walk, trying to cut labor costs, it makes me think back to a conversation I know we had on this program when George Barrios and Michelle Wilson were let go. And Nick Khan has kind of taken their role over and and, and then some, but you know, they were asking questions. Hey, why are we hoarding all this talent? That that was like said that that was like a big disagreement um, between them and the rest of management at the time. Those two, you know, and those two didn't know wrestling. But they were like, you know, why are we paying all these people that we're not using? And there was some friction there. And all these moves we're seeing, you know, in the Nick Khan era of WWE are very Barrios and Wilson-esque, almost, kind of what they were asking. I, I find that kind of fascinating that they thought that way back when, we're let go, and here we are. We're letting people go. And for the record, they do have too many people under mm-hmm. contract. Yeah, Especially absolutely. they... Based on their roster usage, which is horrendous, you know, if their roster usage was better, this would be a great thing, right? You could move yeah. people on brands, keep people fresh all the time, but they don't do that. And I'm not advocating to get rid of people. Okay, let me be clear now, but, you know, people stay around for a long time. And look, the history of this business, people leave. You can't be around forever. That was not the norm right? Guys sticking around for over seven, eight years in the same place. That was unheard of up until this current era. Yeah.
2: And and it gets boring for everybody. Uh, Yes. You don't want to see anybody lose their job, but there's really no better time for them to lose their jobs right now because they've got options out there with AEW being a realistic option. You got Ring of Honor, Impact is I guess as relevant as they've been in a long time. And uh, a lot of guys want to go to new Japan too. Um, so there's a lot of options. And frankly, this is far more interesting to me than them just hoarding their talent. You yeah. know, that, this was the great thing about the, the Monday night wars was mm-hmm. guys jumping back and forth. Who yeah, going to show up on what show? Yeah.
1: I, I've said on this program. I want people to leave WWE. Yeah. If you're not being used, right. If, if you've been around for a long time, if you're not being used, Right. I mean, there's like 90% of the people in our contract to them I'd like to see go somewhere else, for for whatever reason. Um, We should mention with Bray, uh, his family members, a lot of them, uh, all gone. Uh, His dad, Mike Rotunda, was furloughed last year. His brother, Bo Dallas, uh, was cut April of this year. And the mother of his two children, JoJo, Uh, Former ring announcer, she parted ways with WWE apparently six to eight months ago. This was not reported though until this week, and she, as of Monday, was still uh, on the Raw section of dot com. I don't know if that'll have been changed by the time that people listen to this podcast. So, uh, yeah, not a not a great year for the Rotunda family. That's you know stinks to hear. You never want to have to talk about that. That you know four people in one family all let go by the same company. That uh, that kind of stinks. But should we talk about Bray's run here at WWE? Now, I know you want to talk about this, and I know this has been a big mm-hmm. conversation on social media. Okay. I have an interesting look at this. I don't know if I want to say it first or if I want to have you talk about Bray's run in general and how it could have been better, maybe where it went wrong.
2: Um Let let me go first. Okay. Because okay. I, think, I think you have a little bit different take from what i've been seeing on the internet and mm-hmm. i and i well i don't 100% agree with you I, I do think you're right for the most part okay so bray wyatt came in obviously through NXT and then came up with the wyatt family
1: and he had then, been husky harris people yeah. may have forgotten in in the nexus, nexus angle in 2010 yeah. and then that sucked and then he went back to you know NXT he
2: he very quickly became even though he played a heel he became a fan favorite i mean the crowd loved him with the lights and the music and the uh what was that song he would sang all the time that the crowd would get in got the whole world in my hands mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so a lot of people are pointing out and you know i'm included i think they dropped the ball with bray wyatt numerous times and it speaks to the talent of him that he was able to kind of pick himself back up each time the first time he fell or got the knees cut out from under him was WrestleMania 30. He should have gone over on Cena. They had a monster heel on their hands. And, and then just like that, it's, it's over. You know, that was great. If you go back and watch that match, that crowd is hot for Bray Wyatt. Um, a year later, They have a chance. If
1: I I could just jump in on that one, I do agree. That is one where I do agree. Um, I did reach out. This is a little fun bit. I I reached out some time ago uh, to to somebody and was like, "Hey, you know, Cena beating Wyatt at WrestleMania that year was maybe that anything to do with like Lesnar beating the Undertaker on the same show, and Vince didn't want to beat two of his golden gooses." In a row, I was told at no point was it considered Bray Wyatt was going to go over. And the the Undertaker deal was like day of just Vince. Like Vince just did it, like didn't tell anybody except like a few people. So That um, seems so ass backwards. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's interesting. So I, I do agree. I think Bray Wyatt should have gone over. And I'll tell you why. He had beaten Daniel Bryan at the Royal Rumble pretty clean. Mm-hmm. And he was coming off that great six man at Elimination Chamber, one of the better WWE matches of the decade. If he beats John Cena at WrestleMania, you've got a great title program between Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt coming off WrestleMania. Yep. And a lot better than Daniel Bryan and freaking Kane, which they did. (laughs) Remember that hideous program? (laughs) That was Daniel Bryan's first and only world title program was with Kane. And I know they used to be tag partners, but nobody wanted Kane in the world title picture in 2014. For God's sake, we didn't want him in the world title picture in 2004. Okay. And I certainly <laughs> don't want him in the freaking health, uh, uh, <laughs> any area of health uh, in this country in 2021. I'll tell you that much. My God, this man has some hideous takes on vaccination and whatnot. Oh, but that's no. a, a different podcast. I've oh, yet listened. Not my mayor hashtag. That's is, is all I'll say <laughs> about Glenn Jacobs. But no, I, I do agree. He should have gone to, he should have gone over, although I still would have fed him to the babyfaces eventually. I would have had him lose to Cena down the road. I would have had him put over Brian in a world title program. Continue. I,
2: but I think you could have gotten a pretty good heel run out of him here after WrestleMania 30. Now, the other downside of uh, losing to Cena is they really started leaning into the magic stuff after this. They, I believe it was the steel cage match with Cena. Ooh, where the child baby. showed yeah. up.
1: Um, yeah, a that, lot Yeah, of- that was... That was his win he got back after yeah. losing at WrestleMania. I think it was the next pay-per-view. That, and that was, I believe, voted worst match of the year in The Observer. If not, it was it, on the short list.
2: It's not fucking good, Kyle.
1: <laughs> it's not fucking
2: good. Uh, there is, he, he had a feud with Dean Ambrose that had a lot of gaga and bullshit. I mean, that, that one kind of made them both look really bad. Right. Dean Ambrose did
1: not look smart in, in that feud. No, although it did made a vent a pay-per-view I was at. Believe it or not, uh, a show that had Cena Rollins. Yes, it was TLC December. The only time my wife has ever attended professional wrestling. Oh. Yes, it was headlined by Dean Ambrose against Bray Wyatt. And her, her, her she res- a big Dolph fan. Uh, I don't think I think she was laughing too much though, But her <laughs> comment was, "Why is this match going on last?"
2: <laughs> it, it's it's not a bad comment. It's, yeah, it's not wrong.
1: Yeah, but Bray's so, run.
2: You have him going into WrestleMania 31, where Undertaker's coming back after losing to Brock Lesnar the previous year, and you have a chance to rebuild him on someone who is at the end of his career. Like, I I don't know what a win for Undertaker is going to do here, other than the fact that obviously Vince McMahon wants to build to a bunch or a couple more Brock Lesnar matches. Yes. Which is what I believe they do at SummerSlam. Yeah, following, I believe it's the following Survivor series, he feuds with Undertaker again. Where it is the yes. 25th anniversary of Undertaker debuting at Survivor series, and you have the whole angle where he steals the Undertaker's powers. If you remember all of that, gaga.
1: Vaguely, that wasn't fucking good either.
2: Now, which is a theme. Yeah, now in this case, uh Brody Lee. Uh Luke Harper at the time ended up taking the pinfall loss. So that's kind of whatever. Um, He, he was kind of just not doing a whole lot there for, I believe he was injured for quite a while after this.
1: He did miss a lot of 2016. Yeah. Cause he was in the ring for that rock segment with rock pinned Eric Rowan and like that's three right, seconds, yep. but he didn't wrestle. And I assume, yeah, because there were so many injuries before that show. And I think he was one of them.
2: Mm-hmm. Um so then he has a pretty interesting to good run with Randy Orton when Randy Orton joins the Wyatt family it got a little hokey towards the end i th- yeah for me for me it was just the production values yeah <laughs> with Randy Orton burning down his shack and uh, you thought it was him eliminating the sister abigail powers and bunch of bullshit like that and, and that he le- was
1: crying that was no good. yeah
2: and the, you know the weird thing about that was like the way they told the story i'm watching and being like boy randy seems to be coming off as the real prick here uh <laughs> yes Br- bray wyatt's a bit of the baby face but yeah
1: nothing says baby face turned like some good old-fashioned arson
2: <laughs> which remember he closed the door on the cameraman inside that cabin burned a cameraman alive
1: yes just for the record
2: <laughs> randy orton yay um, he does win his first world championship at Elimination Chamber. So he goes into WrestleMania 33 as world champion against Randy Orton, a match that Kyle Ross, you saw live. How wh- Where does this match rank for you on matches you've seen live?
1: Uh, right near the bottom. It was very <laughs> bad. Uh, I was intoxicated by that point in the evening, thankfully. But there were a lot of people laughing in my section. That was obviously the match. They projected, you know, bugs and worms on the rig. And I don't know who came up with that, but it was very bad.
2: So that's bad to begin with. Just Mm -hmm. the idea of doing this projection, the worms and the bugs. But even worse than that, he loses the match. If you're having this big Bray thing with the projections and he's got magic back and whatnot, he's got to go over. But nope, in a pretty... uh, flaccid match he loses the (laughs) world title to randy orton once again having you know the knees cut out from underneath him
1: yeah now there is a running theme all right uh, do you want to i assume you're gonna because after that it does kind of nosedive right like i don't remember what That there was like the matt hardy thing in 2018 Mm -hmm. i know we were both there in the building uh for that wrestlemania when they kind of did their whatever um and I'm sure you're going to bring up him losing to Goldberg.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I I want to get into the fiend and how quickly that went from something that I think could have been huge, okay, to absolute fucking garbage in what it was a month. Okay, from from SummerSlam to Hell in a Cell. the The problem is, is they combined it with the Firefly Funhouse bullshit and they completely overpowered him with that Hell in a Cell match, where you have a Hell in a Cell match where it ends up a no contest. If he had just, all they had to do, for, real quick, did you like the debut, his debut, The Fiend at SummerSlam?
1: Yes, I think we all talked about it on the post show and said what you were saying that all right this really got over in the building they need to 86 the firefly funhouse shit and have him be an ass kicker and this is really going to get over
2: and this is the thing is if they would have just made the fiend some sort of combination of vader and mankind I think it would have worked really well. I think you got to keep him out of the title picture for quite, especially if your plan was to do that crap with Seth Rollins. That was really bad. Yes. Although, otherwise, he just needs to win the title at Hell in a Cell instead of saving it for the Saudi showdown or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah,
1: I mean, he could have been like the Undertaker in the night mm-hmm. nineties, right? Where he the Undertaker was always in the semi-main and not in the world title picture.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um. But yeah, it, it just. And for me, the million dollar question, when you start talking about what went wrong with the fiend, especially with all of this stuff with Randy Orton, the fire and the black goo and Alexa bliss, and do you want to see him in AEW where he has more creative freedom is who came up with a lot of the bad stuff? Was that Bray or was that WWE? Cause my gut tells me that was Bray. Okay. Okay.
1: Um, I do know from reaching out that Bray was responsible for like a good amount, but it was like kind of half and half, or even maybe a little bit more WWE than Bray. Bray had a lot of input. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Yeah. But, um, you know, the way I, when I sent that feeler out, Maybe I phrased it in a way where, like, you know, people like thought it was a good thing. If, like, oh, if like to take credit for it, I don't know. So it'd be I don't know if I if I had asked it a different way, if I would have got a different percentage on that. But Bray did have input on the Fiend character. Okay, I want to talk about a few things here with his his run. I do not see Bray Wyatt's current situation the same as I see an Andrade. Or an Aleister Black. Those guys never got their chance to spread their wings on the main roster at all. They mm-hmm. were grounded from the start. Bray, even though he could have been booked better at times, like you mentioned, he was at or near the top for eight years as, a ver- as various incarnations of Bray White. He was one of the most pushed guys last year. So rather than make this a Bray versus WWE thing, I want to look at the big picture Mm -hmm. and ask you this question. What does it say about the WWE and their current creative state? Not not just current, but, you know, long-term creative state, that a guy who was at or near the top of the card for eight years is considered to have a, quote, bad run?
2: Yeah, it it says a lot about their creative. I, I don't even know what to say.
1: Okay. This is what I'm this is the point I'm gonna make about Bray Wyatt. And I can go to some specifics about you know if he was wronged by the booking or not in certain places after this. Bray Wyatt is a guy to me who was fairly high on the totem pole, like I said, right? He was never mm-hmm. like the Matt Hardy thing was the exception. That was an idea. Mm-hmm. But, but I, mean, I mean, a year and a half stretch there where he yeah, was but definitely I mean, a you ta- I mean, all those angles you brought up were like, you know, top three on the card on those pay-per-views generally. So yes, was he at times a poorly booked guy in a poorly booked promotion? Yeah. But if he was, in an ideal thing, a well-booked or properly booked person in a well-booked promotion, I think he'd be kind of the same on the totem pole. Like, there are a lot more talented guys than Bray Wyatt who got raw deals than him. Like, I just see, you know, when I look at Bray Wyatt and where we're at right now with him being released, I just see a guy who's been, who'd been around for a long time and was coming off a run that was just critically panned. I mean, whoever came up with it, The Fiend was not good. Um, I know some people did really like it, but my God, my timeline on Twitter.com hated it. Hated it. I mean, it was one of the most reviled things um, on my Twitter feed every week. I mean, especially with Alexa Bliss, when that was in the fullback, got real bad. And, you know, you brought up a bunch of different things, like the thing with Cena seven years ago. That stunk. There was a lot of bad moments there. I think it's just, if I'm WWE, it probably is time to move on from Bray Wyatt. I, I mean, how yeah. can you... You can't just do a hard right turn and say he's not the fiend anymore. You either have him keep being the fiend, which I'm not particularly crazy about, or you do some hard right turn, which I just think is intellectually dishonest.
2: Yeah. I think for a lot of people like me who, you know, I will say I was a Bray Wyatt fan. It's about like what we feel was left on the table or what, if you look back and what could have been, yeah, you're right. He had a great run at the top of the card for a long time,
0: but I think there is a
2: pretty large, uh, part of the fan base that was like, I, I think that it could have been more that it could have been a better, more interesting run for him. And, and part of that is just cause he is so unique looking compared to almost everybody else on the roster Yeah, I mean, I think and, it, it, and, start- and the way he wrestles in the ring.
1: Yeah. And I, I think there were some issues too. I, you know, physically, mentally, I, I, I don't, mm-hmm. I think it would be irresponsible to speculate about any personal issues he may be having I know there are personal issues I I don't know how much of it you know I know um, it's been reported that he was struggling with the death of Brody Lee I don't know how much of a factor that actually is and if there's just some other personal stuff going on but um he was just he'd been at or near the top for a long time and when you talk about oh his WWE run could have been better join the club I mean how many guys can you say that about in this modern yeah. era which is kind of my point that there's a lot of guys who didn't get the chances he did uh from 2013 to 2021 that never sniffed that consistent position he had on the card so that's kind of where I view Bray Wyatt you know I I it as far as him going to AEW I'm less intrigued by that move than I am a lot of other people he they would have to have the right fit and somehow be able to get him away from his WWE persona. Maybe have him like be a Southern style brawler. Um, but yeah, I I don't want to see a similar character in AEW. I just don't.
2: Well, and that's that's why I was asking. To me, like I said, the million dollar question is the stuff that almost everybody didn't like about the last part of his run. Was that more WWE? Was that more him? Because if it was more WWE, and you hear a lot of the talent say uh, from Mick Foley, I believe even Cody Rhodes today, is that this guy has a one of a kind wrestling mind, that he is a special, special dude. So if you, I mean, if you can have that kind of talent in AEW and kind of give him a chance to really, you know, spread his proverb for proverbial uh, wings. Like you already said, you know, you might have something special.
1: Any chance that this pisses off WWE loyalists, right? Like there's a lot of talk from people who are less sympathetic to WWE, less sympathetic to Bray Wyatt on my timeline. I I don't follow a ton of people who like, you know, the fiend rules. Like, I, I just don't see that on my timeline at all. Um, any chance that this like kind of like because there were I mentioned there were people who really liked this guy and were into the fiend and bought merchandise? I guess yeah, he was
2: a big I, merch seller.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, do, do you think that's going to have any effect at all on those people's fandom of WWE? Yeah, I know there was think, a there was a light we want Wyatt champ on Raw this past week, but it wasn't I, anything I, like takeover ish think- hostile. I think it's going to
2: devastate them for like two weeks, and then they're going to attach themselves to somebody else.
1: Yeah. Um, And and we're going to talk about tribalism, by the way, uh, moving on, and, you know, AEW fans, WWE fans, and just how divisive it's getting. Uh, But first, uh, we should mention well, first of all, I want to just before we talk about AEW selling off the United Center for the first dance, um, as far as AEW bringing people in, right? That's been a constant theme. For us tonight. Oh, should they get Adam Cole? Should they bring Ric Flair? Mm-hmm. Should they bring Bray Wyatt? Remember, they're adding a second TV show. And they do a like with the roster they have now. Yeah, you could spread it out and easily fill three hours of weekly TV. Easily. But if you want to keep people fresh, like they do a, a a superior job compared to WWE of doing, you do need more names. Right? Mm-hmm. Remember when uh WCW originally announced Thunder, it was gonna be the Bret Hart Show. And Bret Hart wasn't on any WCW TV. <laughs> but it's <so> funny <laughs> how that worked out. But so so that's something to consider with people are like, oh my God, what, do you just want everyone to go to AEW? They're adding another hour of television. Um, and on that note, we should mention, again, they sold out the United Center for the first dance. This would be the August 20th edition of Rampage. Uh, heavily believed uh, that CM Punk will be on that show. Perhaps it will be his debut. Um, kudos to them, I guess, right, Justin? It's going to be their first of four times running the Chicago market will be there for all out Uh, the first weekend of September. They're also running um, the go home dynamite there and the go home rampage. Those two events not sold out. Uh, Maybe in retrospect, they shouldn't have put the go home dynamite in Chicago, but oh, well they didn't know maybe at this time at the time that they were going to bring in punk.
2: I, I said it last week on our Spotify green room. I will say it again. If CM Punk does not show up, at that United Center show, they are going to lose a lot of good
1: faith. Yeah, from they, they,
2: all the fans.
1: Yeah, I mean, if Tony Khan doesn't have CM Punk under contract already, um, he may have to pay him $10 million to show up on August 20th because that will, yes, the promotion well, honestly will die if they, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe that's too strong. Maybe you know it won't die because they still got TV money coming in. But I mean, it would be a death blow. I mean, you you think that ending to the exploding barbed wire death match was bad. CM Punk not being in the building on August 20th would be about as disastrous a promotional uh, blow as has ever been struck in the history of this industry.
2: Yep. I mean, you already had Darby Allin saying he wasn't talking about CM Punk in his little promo talking about best in the world that, oh, he was actually talking about Sammy Guevara.
1: Hey, uh, I don't know what, if you what saw a worker. It. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I didn't <laughs> see that. What a worker. I mean, you got to say that, right? I mean, they're, they're yeah, all yeah, being bombed. Yeah. Um, it builds drama for it. You know, I mean, look, I, I think when he is on that show, we're all going to look back and, like, make fun of ourselves. Oh, my God. Remember, we thought CM Punkman on should actually be on the show and a bunch of jackasses. <laughs> we were. But it's not – we don't know anything's official, so you have to speculate. Mm-hmm. Okay, This is a conversation I've wanted to have on this podcast, Justin, for a long time. The rise of tribalism online. I'm sure you're familiar with this. You've really gotten to a point where we've got AEW fans hunkering down, uh, you know, with their takes. WWE fans hunkering down with their takes, you know, when WWE does something, you know, shitty, you know, there's the thought, oh, you, you AEW fans look past this and that. You just, you know. You're familiar with what's going on Mm -hmm, online, right? It's getting very divisive, the rhetoric. Okay, I have a question for you, and this is going to sound like a loaded question. This may upset some people that I'm asking a question like this on a highly listened to podcast, but I don't give a damn. Mm. (laughs) Are you surprised that there is a decent percentage of people online who stand up for the current WWE? Yes. So am I. Uh, Then again, I am surprised that the WWE has made any fans over the last 20 years. Now... Like you, I became a fan when I was a kid, okay? And if the modern WWE, and by modern, I say 21st century, like post-attitude era even, is when you became a fan and you were a kid, then I get that, you know? And, and you're going to, you know, I have a certain affinity, as I know you do, with old stuff when I was a kid and watched it. I look mm-hmm. back at it fondly. It wasn't always that way. When I was a teenager, I was like, that 80s shit, fuck that. But, you know, I, I mean, over time, you know, once WWE, I started to not like the booking, which was like 20 years ago. I went back and, you know, found a, a new, a whole new reverence for the stuff of my childhood. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, I, I am always caught off guard that there are people who actually stand up for the current WWE. But if it's all you know and, you know, it's the only product you followed, I guess. I want to talk about why I am rooting for AEW. We, Always on the show talk about being objective and this striving for objectivity. I feel I do that, but I will admit I'm rooting for AEW. Um, and I'll be honest, the reason is I'm just tired of the WWE of the last 20 years. And I want it to be forced into being something better. Uh, you know, I, I hate Amen. the brands, I hate the brand split. I hate themed pay per views, I hate their bad television. I hate, you know, they're just hubris and refusal to change. Um, And, you know, there's going to be WWE fans who hear me say this and say, oh, it's bullshit, man. But, you know, how can you root, you know, for one side? Well, I just root for good wrestling. If the WWE became good, I would say it. I don't want it to be bad. I mean, there have been like four or five times this year where I have not looked forward to doing this podcast. Only four or five. They've all been after WWE pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. Where I've just been mad that I wasted three hours of my life watching it, and now I've got to talk about it. I'm like, Fuck, I would have rather do anything tonight than raw. it's just pay per view. If it was what, good, I'll say it's good.
2: What one of my favorite text messages I've ever sent out was recently when uh, I think we were talking about a WWE pay per view that was coming up, and it came up as like, "Are you going to watch it?" And I responded. I'm only going to watch WWE if one of you two monsters makes me, (laughs) referring to you and Ryan.
1: Yes. I mean, I'll be honest with you. If it wasn't for reviewing this podcast, what we do reviews, I I would not watch these shows on time. Nope. I'm just at that. I'm pretty much at my low point with WWE. And I want to get back to this idea of me rooting for AEW, kind of picking a dog in this fight. And for the record, if AEW got bad, I would say it's bad. I told you in June when they were doing those Saturday shows and that, you know, they'd be kicked off Wednesday night because the NBA playoffs like these shows aren't very good. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I have no problem, but I mean, I want AEW to be good to make WWE good by proxy. I, I want WWE to change. That's what I want. I want a new, um, you know, a a kind of a new promotion to emerge that makes WWE change. Because WWE has been so set in its ways for so long because it's had no challenger um, in the marketplace. That's why. So, I, you know, WCW getting good in the late 90s forced WWE to change. So WWE's got a lot more money now than they did back then Mm -hmm. uh, on hand. So who knows? It's going to take a lot more to make them change. But I want to see them change. Um, And for people who think it's wrong to, you know, roots, I want to take you back. To the Monday Night Wars era, um, Justin. And <laughs> let me remind WWE fans about something. I interviewed Eric Bischoff uh, on a, many years ago on a different podcast. And I posed the question to him. It's kind of a softball. We've been grilling him pretty hard about why Zayn Bresloff. This was right after he released his book, Controversy Creates Cash. And we've been grilling him about Zayn Bresloff not being mentioned in the book and stuff. So I decided to throw him a roll. Me, I threw Eric Bischoff a softball. Can you believe it? And I was like, <laughs> hey, man. Um, you know, it just came up naturally. Did you feel kind of like when 1998 was rolling through that wrestling fans were rooting against you and the promotion? And he's like, yeah, I did feel that way. So it works both ways. W- people were rooting for WWE in 1998. Very much the same way that people root for AEW today. WWF of today is like ninety-eight WCW.
2: Because they got into every week, it was the same thing. It was NWO comes out, you know, interrupts the main event. Same guys are at the top every time. You see the same matches every week. Uh just bad booking.
1: Yes, it was it was exactly. It's bad, it was bad television. Um, do you think that the divisive rhetoric we see online today would have been that way had Twitter existed during the Monday night wars.
2: Yeah. Do you think it's an age thing?
1: What do you mean? Do I think it's an age? Like,
2: well, because I'm guessing if if you made a poll of all the WWE loyalists that you're seeing on Twitter, you gotta assume they've only grown up with WWE
1: that they didn't. Yes, really those, pe- those people. Yes, yes. I, I feel that those people. You're right. Wouldn't have existed, but like I didn't feel as straw. I well by the end, I would say like WCW. I was very dismissive of WCW by like the end of '98 into '99. Maybe more so in the 99, like the summer of 99 in particular. I, I was just, I just washed my hands clear of WCW. I wanted nothing to do with it. I didn't make it a point to watch it anymore. But, like, I just think back, like, now, like, and, you know, I, I liked WCW more in 96. 97, it was very much flipping back and forth. And, um... You know, by '98, I like WWE more. I, I I feel I just go where the promotion's better. So I don't know. It would have been interesting to see if it would have been as divisive, well, um, back then as it was now.
2: What What I've come to realize is that there, if you think something might be out there, it is. Like you, if you're thinking of '96, '97 pro wrestling, and you're wondering if there were WCW or WWE loyalists. There almost certainly were. I had a buddy who recently who asked he he was curious if if foot fetishes were only for men that had for women. And I was like, no, I mean there's there's got to be women who are into feet too. And then like the next day, I was listening to a podcast where it came. Do you know there's a such thing as balloon fetishes where they like to watch balloons get blown up and then pop? They're they're called lunars. This is an actual thing. Lunars is is a sexual fetish, um. So yeah, I think there was loyalists in, in 96 me? Yeah, lunar. Okay. I mean,
1: Google it. Lunar. <laughs> there were. I just. I wonder. I don't know. I wonder how it would have been relative today. Um, you know, something that you know I, I wanted to bring up with Bray and I had forgotten because it was just kind of a new entry into the notes. Um, it, it happened not that long ago before we started recording here. I'm just to. Peel back the curtain when we're recording the show. Um, but I feel it fits in with this online tribalism. Is this Ronda Rousey tweet about Bray Wyatt? Oh, bad. It was a bad take. Um, But I almost don't have any ill will towards Ronda individually. I know she had some bad experiences with MMA fans or whatever. But it, this is something you only see or read from WWE wrestlers and fans blame the crowd so i should find the tweet here ronda rousey on twitter i'll read the exact thing ronda R- i'm sure it's her last one it's very odd and random that she came up with it today of all things i've seen you this is ronda's tweet i've seen you same quote fans chanting hashtag we want wyatt last night Channing, quote, we want beach balls over WWE Bray Wyatt performing. If the WWE treated him like he was expendable, it was because you ungrateful idiots did first. Okay. Again, it's the fans' fault, according to some people, that Bray Wyatt's got. Come on, man. It's not the fans' fault. Um. That so, Bray Wyatt's gone. Who made that decision? It wasn't the fans. It was Vince McMahon. And he didn't do it because of fan reaction. If this was true, then how many people that are more over than their push would get pushed? Yeah. It, and that doesn't happen ever. No. So, um, I mean, the idea that fans got Bray Wyatt is, is just ludicrous. But this is something you only hear from WWE people. And WWE loyalists online. Oh, these ungrateful ones. promotions that are booked well don't have these problems. Yeah, we I talked mean, about it with, with I mean, Hangman when he came out a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I'll let you go in a second. People weren't chanting CM Punk when Hangman came out. The pro they weren't chanting for freaking beach balls. They're invested in the actual storylines. This is what happened when it, and you said it last Wednesday. You talked about faith in the booking. Fans have lost faith in WWE booking, so these are the reactions you get. And until they can recapture that faith, you're always going to have these shits. This is a WWE problem. It's not a fan problem. Yep, absolutely. You preach, sister. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine tweeting that. What a freaking hideous tweet that was.
2: Yeah, Dave. Dave had a great response, kind of you know, close to what you just said. There's, it's, it's such a cop out to, to blame the fans for this. It was a management decision. Um, I I believe what he said is the next thing, you know, people will blame John Laurinaitis for these decisions. You, you said it earlier, this is not budget cuts. This is profit increasing.
1: Yes, exactly. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Again, Rhonda had bad experiences with MMA fans. I know she also had a very, you know, rough upbringing. Okay. So I, I don't know what caused her, to tweet this today, but it, it, it it's incorrect, and it's one thing for her to tweet it, but it's like really sad when people are like, "Good point, Rhonda." You know, it's just the same with the Tyler Breeze quote. Did you see that today? Like, no, there's an I've old, so there was like this old Tyler Breeze quote about like, you know, that wrestlers shouldn't complain about their push online. They should be happy they're getting paid, and like, just you know. If you're not being used, you should just be happy to be on the sideline. And they're like, as and I saw somebody like, as always, Tyler Breeze gets it right. I'm like, how about Tyler Breeze gets it wrong? Um, you know, t- first of all, he's complained about his push up line, <laughs> So he's being hypocritical. But yeah, I, I just, it, it's just brain worms from WWE fans who, you know, just, this blame the fans mentality? I mean, let's do an easy one, Justin. Remember the Great American Bash 91 when the the chance of we want flare echoed through the building? Were there any fans who were like, you know, you ungrateful fans, you should just be happier getting Lex Luger versus Barry Wyndham tonight? No, <laughs> no one said that because it'd be fucking stupid. Unbelievable.
2: Well, I don't know if they had the I'm sure. If they had the platform to do it, they would have. Yeah,
1: who knows? You're right. Like I said, if Twitter was around in 1991, who would have known? Um, Real quick, let's just do two more things, okay? Mm-hmm. This John Cena, Roman Reigns build. I, I did want to hit on this, uh, what's going on television. There was a good video package on Raw last night. Unfortunately, they kept playing the audio through Drew McIntyre's entrance, and people thought <laughs> that they were sweetening crowd noise and forgot to take the audio track out, as he was proclaimed a 16-time world champion. But uh, that video package there, I think did do an effective job of making this seem like a clash of the Titans type deal, which is what it should be. Two top guys arguing who is the best of their generation uh, or the 21st century. You could say, but you know, on the weekly TV and I don't mean to toot my own horn here, but to, you know, toot, toot toot. Yeah. Toot toot to steal the old Art Anderson line. I said this on our money in the bank post show when it was me and Ryan, I said, I don't even know if WWE knows how to book this feud right on a weekly basis. John Cena and Roman Reigns, they're two guys. And as I've watched these weekly promos on Full Justin, I'm scratching my head how they're going with this just surface-level bullshit and cutesy insider stuff. Like, a guy named Joe isn't as over as he thinks he is. And, you know, John Cena, he's like missionary position. I know that got enough mileage for... A response in the promo, right? That got some traction. By the way, if John Cena is like missionary position, uh, is WWE booking like anal sex and we're the recipients? <laughs> because, I mean, that's all I was thinking when I heard that line because Lord knows the fans have been taking it up the old poop shoot for 20 years. Um, th- this is just a strange way that they got to this. Again, the video package was good. Most WWE fans probably don't even care. They just want to see the match. I guess there is some intrigue, even though one would assume John Cena is just going to put Roman over. Although, what if after they release Ric Flair, they give Cena 17? <laughs> what a flex that would be for Vince McMahon. But, um, you know, borrowing from the WrestleMania 20 playbook and just having a challenger show up and sign a contract to get into the match, that was very odd for a match of this magnitude. Was it not?
2: You're referring to redacted?
1: Yes. And Michael. Sean Michaels. Yeah, Michael's. I'm this close. I'm this close. Let at, me end
2: this. At least that led to a triple threat match. Whereas this, they were <laughs> they were just like, oh shucks. like you know, I, I don't know what to do.
1: Yeah, I guess Finn Balor's gone. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. right. This is not going to be a three-way, so it's not an apples to apples comparison with WrestleMania 20. But um, yeah, I don't I thought that was the strangest build for what should just be a match. Two guys coming out, not trying to like say, oh, this guy's not over. It should be two guys recognizing they're the top two guys of the last 15 years. Let's see who's best. I mean, am I being too old school here? I mean, am I wrong? So um, go ahead. I was
2: just going to say, the only thing you can say is they've got TV to book and they don't have anything interesting to really say about it or that
1: they have to get these guys out there and they don't really know what to do. I mean, you're right. What is the motivation? You know, it's funny. You know, we knew Cena was coming back for this match. Mm -hmm. But do we really understand, like, his motivation? Why now? Has that really been gotten into? It's just sort of like, you know, he shows up at Money in the Bank. And, you know, I guess maybe it's because Roman's a heel now. But it's just, you know, it's not great storytelling. I'm going to tell you something right now. Justin. I am not very excited for the biggest party of the summer. I know they're getting 40,000 plus. They got a big house. It's going to be the biggest non-mania gate in history. But this card is not enticing. I mean, you got Lashley and Goldberg, yeah. which is just like a crappier version of Roman and Cena, right? Yeah. Um. You know, it's the same thing with the legend. And again, that story: like, why is Goldberg back? I mean, they have like, he's talking about, you know, I see you're scared, you know, and stuff like, like that promo last night was, I mean, it's not Bill's fault. I mean, he's just, you know, being yeah. called into duty. I wanted to say, by the way, um, as much as, you know, people want to bitch about Goldberg going over the Fiend, they may want to say that. The Fiend did do the Firefly Funhouse the next month and did his thing and then was like WWE champion for a year. So I don't really think that Goldberg thing derailed him too much. I just wanted to say that for the record while well, that was fresh in my mind.
2: Uh, the last time we saw Goldberg, wasn't he just getting beat by Drew McIntyre? And then he just comes back and get, gets a world title match.
1: I don't, the guy's got two contracted matches each year. Okay. And (laughs) if you know that it makes sense. If you don't, you're like, yeah, why is this guy coming back? But I mean, look at these other matches. You got edge and Seth Rollins. That doesn't excite me. Drew McIntyre and Jinder Mahal. Yeah. Uh, Nikki, almost a superhero, working Charlotte and Rhea, so it's another triple threat involving Charlotte, and Rhea. This time it's Nikki, almost a superhero, instead of Oscar, like it was earlier in the year. Sasha and Bianca. There is some intrigue with Sasha returning um, mm-hmm. a WrestleMania rematch from a match that many feels maybe the best in WWE all year. Uh, that can be debated, but I I don't know what the hell else is going to be on this card. But this is not. I mean. I, I don't know, man. Raw and SmackDown just continue to either bore or anger me.
0: <laughs>
1: it's I, it's I'm, always I'm one or two. I'm ready to boycott. You know, people talk about this SmackDown being such a great show. If if you don't watch SmackDown regularly, this is what happens. Every week. Roman Reigns comes out, says acknowledge me. Uh, <laughs> Big E will wrestle Apollo Crews in some form. Uh, Bianca will wrestle Carmella in some form. Edge will be so intense. <laughs> Seth Rollins will go <laughs> <laughs> at some point. The Mysterials <laughs> will do something. Baron Corbin is poor. I acknowledge you. Us. See you again next week. That, that's the
0: show. It's <laughs> <laughs> the fucking show every really week.
1: Like. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I'm not crazy. Let's end on a positive note, shall we? Yeah. Well, it, we're talking about Summer Slams, and we love talking history on this show. Um, and maybe it won't all be positive because I do have least favorite in here. But your favorite SummerSlams just enjoyed of all time. This could be a fun discuss brief discussion. Um,
2: obviously, two thousand two, the critics' choice, all- mm-hmm. Um, I'm not as good with you with the years. What was the year with Cena Lesnar? And what was the other undercard match? Um, no, that's not even the one I'm thinking of. Uh, excuse me, sorry. Uh Lesnar, Punk, and Brian Cena. 13.
1: 13. 13 that, that's yeah. also there. Uh, yeah. yeah it, it's, probably other than WrestleMania 10, that's the best one two combo that any pay-per-view uh has in terms of match quality, those two. And then
2: for me, and I think a big part of it is nostalgia, but I'm always gonna have a soft spot for 90
1: and 91. Oh, okay. Yeah, 91, uh, I'll go with that one. That's a top 10 show for sure. We reviewed that, by the way. If you're a patron, you can listen to our review. That was a very early one, wasn't it? That was one of our first Top promotion Nation classics, was it not? Yeah, I think so. Okay.
2: But I mean, uh, like at 90 uh, had the the Texas Tornado kind of squashing Mr. Perfect. It had the great tag team match. Um, I, I, well, I don't know. Tell you what, guys. Go out and uh, follow the uh, Wrestling Gazette. Squared circle, squared circle, Gazette. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle does a great deep dive uh, about this time frame and especially about those two main event matches with Warrior Rude and, and Hogan and
1: Earthquake. Yeah, and we're we, we cover 91 too. As a matter of fact, like get new, right. yeah. a new episode's gonna drop where we you can already check Ooh. out the top of the card, but uh, the second half of the summer of 91 where we talk about rick Flair coming into the territory and all the undercard happenings that'll be on there. Um you mentioned 2002 and 2013. Certainly those are going to be on most people's lists. Uh, you know, people of our ilk. 2000 belongs on the short list uh, as well with the TLC match. TLC one, technically. Um, the height of SummerSlam uh, in terms of pay-per-view buys, just if you're interested in this kind of thing, was of course 1998, The Highway to Hell featuring Austin and The Undertaker. That's a really good shot. I mean, the WWE was rolling. Uh, at that point, um, the only other two summer slams, I think that did over 600,000 buys were Oh five Hogan and Michaels and 89 Zeus is better than your favorites. (laughs) Folks, 89 Hulk Hogan and the barber, (laughs) beefcake barber, uh, as Zeus would say, uh, yeah, those two Hogan and beefcake, you get savage and Zeus, you know, not to influence anything. Here, but if uh let's say there was a podcast you guys all listened to and Summerslam 89 was a choice uh for the your favorite podcasters to review, you should pick that one. Just saying, I don't really know where that would come up at <laughs> any time, but you know, love love SummerSlam 89. But yeah, um 92, we should mention, you know, if you wanna believe Meltzer is the attendance was the attendance record for the company before. Um, WrestleMania 32. So SummerSlam's had a lot of great moments, but yeah, I'm with you. 2002, 2013, um, you know, are, are among the best, and 2000 certainly deserves to be mentioned. I have a theoretical question for you on least favorite SummerSlam, though. Okay. Ready? Okay. What is worse in Europe? Just generally, don't try to guess which one I'm talking about. I'll tell you which ones I'm talking about. But theoretically, what is worse uh, from a wrestling show? A bad main event on paper that is booked logically like you just don't like the people involved like it's like oh my god this is a like I don't like these people but it's like booked logically at least okay that's option a option b is it outside the box booking idea that grabs your attention and you're excited about but then is booked in the worst possible way what's worse
2: so it's Basically, one is I'm not really interested, but I'm not going to mind it by the end of it. And the other one is
1: I'm you are interested, interested and they let you down. I'm gonna well, go tr- uh, option A is not even like you're not going to mind it. It's just like, you know how we talk about a lot of, you know, again, modern WWE shows and you're like, what were they thinking? This doesn't even make sense. Like, you're like, all right, this sucked. It could suck. But at least it's like logical. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I- go ahead. I'm just, I'm gonna go with the first one. Okay, so the first option, a a poor main event on paper that is booked logically, that is SummerSlam '95 with Diesel and King Mabel, right? I mean, Diesel had mm. been a strong baby face champion. King Mabel wins King of the Ring. He's given a big push. It's logical, but it's shitty, right? Yeah. See where I'm going with that? Like I said, I yeah. you, you're not gonna like it, but it, it's logical. <laughs> It's logical. Option B in this instance was SummerSlam 2010 with the Nexus angle, which caught some attention, and then they beat them their first time out, which was unforgivable. Um, As far as what I think the worst SummerSlam is, I think it is 2010 um, because, you know, we're not just ranking main events here. SummerSlam 95 has Sean and Razor in the ladder match. SummerSlam 2010's got nothing. I, I don't think enough people talk about SummerSlam 2010 being the worst SummerSlam, but they should. <laughs> I guess I just didn't watch it or don't care. But it, it's the I was going to say Slam.
2: I I couldn't tell you a single other match on that
1: card. It was a one match. It was a one match show. I remember like the Nexus like even interfered in the first match, causing a non finish. I think was that one that had like that like this terrible John Cena. No, that was the previous year. I think like Randy Orton and Sheamus might have been like the title match. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I just, fun history discussion, wanted to squeeze in there. Um, I think that's all.
2: Yeah. And you know, when I saw that question on the show notes, it was like, God, you know, a lot of these summer slams, it's, it's one or two matches and the rest is just kind of utterly forgettable. And unfortunately for the last few years, it's almost all utterly forgettable. I started going through the cars and it was like, a year or two ago, we had Jeff Hardy versus Shinsuke Nakamura. We, you know, imagine telling me that like we did five years ago,
1: six years for the United States Championship. <laughs> I don't remember that. Well, Here I think we're... I nailed that point. Yeah, if you go back and look at SummerSlam 2019, I think I looked at this like only two years ago. None of it has any effect on today. Like none of it, like which which is crazy. So, and but yet all the names are still there in the promotion. That's what's like. It's not like oh, all those people are gone now. No, they're still here. It's just that like you wouldn't even have known it happened. So, yeah, the last few Summer Slams haven't. Well, I think with our lower standards, we gave last year a bit of a pass. But I can't even remember what the hell was on it. I think that was when Roman returned at the end, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh Bray won the title from Braun Strowman. Uh, I think we got. Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton and that's about all I got
1: okay okay I think there was uh Mandy Rose and uh Sonya Deville had their loser leaves town match Mm. that was on there too Sonya is now a GM and Mandy's on NXT um (laughs) I so yeah, that's that's all we got for there. I think we did it, buddy. I know we're running a little long. Actually, not not only did we not run out of things to say, <laughs> I think we went longer <laughs> than the normal show because, of course, we did.
2: That, that's what happens. When we don't have uh, Ryan here to rein us in.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> but it's been a while. I feel you know. It's funny we recorded. You know, just to peel back the curtain, we recorded so many shows a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, it, because, uh, you know, Ryan w- w- was dealing with, you know, becoming contract issues. Yes. Contract issues. <laughs> so, yeah, it just felt good to talk again, man. I hope uh, everybody enjoyed it because this was a blast. A lot of subjects. Absolutely. Could keep talking about them.
2: Hey, if you love pro res- wrestling, we love you. If you're a WWE loyalist, we love you a little less, but we still <laughs> love you.
1: <laughs> and uh where can they find you on Twitter, Justin? Uh, at Justin Join, I think. Uh, How about you? I- trp kyle i do believe no,
2: that sounds right
1: um and i've been hey, contributing more to the show uh podcast twitter accounts uh, if yeah you've ever it, noticed a little bit more snarkier references on that particular app those are always me i think i'm gonna sign them kyle if they're ever real hot to <laughs> it,
2: it has been legit good stuff you need if you guys need uh need to go out there and follow top rope nation on, on twitter kyle, kyle's been laying it down
1: You've been laying it down. You know, we've got contests going on right now. Ryan, you That's know, always right. you know, always running the, the business side of things uh, that only he can. Um, you know, if I ran a promotion, it would be out of business in six weeks. We all know that. But if a guy got it, it would be so good. <laughs> there is an
2: opportunity to watch AW All Out for yes! free. You need to get to our Twitter account to possibly watch AW All Out for free. Uh, enjoying our Facebook page. I believe we might be doing a free t shirt giveaway at the moment.
1: Yes, you gotta hit us up on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Uh, do you have anything else you'd like to say? I don't, I'm
2: good, man. This has been fun.
1: I don't either. So, I think when we have nothing to say, I think Ryan would say we should go home (laughs) and the show. Thoughts, all
2: right? (laughs) Yeah, how how about give us a piece and I'll hit this outro.
1: Peace.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Say goodbye.